is not tired. God the Father is not tired. He is not surprised. He is not overwhelmed. He is not exhausted. He is not weary. God the Father is not tired. We might get tired. We might be surprised, exhausted, overrun, disappointed. But God the Father is not tired. He's not surprised. So as we look uh, at, the, at this passage this evening and just dig into uh, what is uh, a couple of verses from Acts, but we're going to be kind of sticking with uh, a couple of chapters in Acts over September. Um, just hold that in the back of your head. You know, if it was, was Jesus' go-to place when he was tired, when he was weary to go to his father, when he was anxious... It should probably be our go-to place as well. As we look at this passage in Acts chapter 2, we're going to be reminding ourselves of some of the things that the early church did and the shape of what they did over these coming weeks and, and their practice and thinking a little bit about what does it mean for us to be church in this uh, generation. We've got a vision in this place which I outlined this time last year, a really simple vision. Um, it's a kind of back of an envelope one kind of going, you know what, 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 is, what do the Gospels say that we're to do? So this is it. It's to be a church on the way and we're following Jesus and making disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's an element of following, there's an element of us growing in him, but also an element of us going out and doing the things uh, that he has called us to do. And I hope that you remember and keep bringing to mind those five habits that we kept on talking about last year and we'll keep on talking about them. In fact, why don't you just turn to a neighbour and just ask them, how are you doing with reading the Bible? Go on, it's habit number two. Go on. Honesty check, how are you doing with reading the Bible? Great. It's a good question and you have permission to ask. If you you want to go through and you didn't get there, then then ask afterwards. You can ask anyone that any time. It's a legitimate, legitimate question. How are you doing with prayer? How are you doing with reading the Bible? How are you doing with regularly coming to one of our uh, Sunday meetings? How are you doing with giving, not just finances, but living a life of generosity? Um, as we've talked about this stuff, and uh, with, uh, when you put out vision stuff, it's not something that stays static, but you need to keep on reflecting on it and refining it. One of the things that... Um, Joe, Clive and I have been doing, along with a bunch of the rest of the staff team and others, is been continuing to think about particularly what does our wider church family look like. And, and as we've done that, I've become irritated with a particular word. And um, 
It's to do with how we communicate the vision. You see, the vision is kind of front-loaded with a real emphasis on discipleship, on following Jesus and growing as his disciples, as his followers, and then reaching out to others. But actually, if you look at our promotions, our promotions on the notice board outside, I'm not sure we're going to change them. This is about a, a kind of tweak in mindset. Our promotions are all about services. They're all about an hour on a Sunday. But you know what? Following Jesus is not about an hour on a Sunday. And I don't know about you, and I, and I hope by the end of uh, this evening this little word starts to annoy you as well. That little service word has started to annoy me. In fact, when we talked about it at the PCC, yes, Robert, you are going to get another mention. Um, Robert Page, where uh, here, suggested that we have a kind of a services swear jar once I'd introduced this idea before the summer, uh, and every time you mentioned the word services, you had to put a coin in the pot. The pot actually didn't appear, otherwise I would have lost an awful lot of money that evening uh, because you keep on mentioning the word. The, the word is, is a tricky one because we're so used to using it, but it doesn't necessarily do what we want it to do. Um, We've just come back from holiday. Some of you have very kindly commented on my fine suntan. Don't worry, it will have peeled off within a week. Um, one of the little games that we played when we were on holiday, and we do this sometimes, is just to count up uh, the number of forms of transport you've been on. Um, and uh, so we did for the first time, rather than parking the car at the airport, we took a taxi to the airport. It's cheaper to get picked up by a fancy car than it is to take your car to the airport. That's a revolution. I love going in fancy cars with a driver. Much better. So taxi. Then we went on a plane. First time that Matty, our youngest, has been on a plane. He's 13. So that gives you an idea that usually we holiday in Cornwall rather than in somewhere slightly warmer. Uh, so taxi, plane, car, and uh, horse-drawn carriage. Because why not? If you're in Seville and someone offers you a horse-drawn carriage tour of Seville, yes, take my euros while we're still allowed to carry them. I, the other thing we did, sorry, that was passing. Uh, the other thing we did, we, 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 we rode on a four-person bike. That's good. I mean, it actually, it, must, it wasn't a bike, it must have been a quad because it had four wheels as well, with four of us on it. The, the, you know, the naughty thing is, I've got videos of uh, Matty, if you're still in the building, might have left now, uh, Matty not pedalling on the back row when Meg is working really, really hard. And of course, there was a bit of walking. So that's at least six forms of transport. That was quite good for our holiday. But that is not an accurate description of the holiday. You see... It's a practical description, it's a functional description, but actually the better description might be uh, we went on a horse-drawn carriage, we could not understand a thing that our guide in Spanish was saying, because A, it was in Spanish, but also it was too quiet, but he was pointing at interesting things and we looked at them and nodded our heads and then looked them up on Google Maps. Um, so... Um, 
it's not a great description. That might be a better one. Another description might be to say, well, we went on an adventure together as the Searle family. It's much more specific. It's much more relational. It says who we are. The, the forms of transport thing is just functional. And you see, to talk about services is to talk about function. And it's helpful, actually. We had a whole load of visitors here at the, at the 11 o'clock uh, as engaged this morning. Um, and the reason they were able to get here was because we had advertised the service time so they knew where to come and when. So it is quite helpful. It's just that it's got a whole bunch of other things that come with it, which is this is church. An hour or an hour and a half on a Sunday morning or evening. Someone will be in charge at the front and do things for me. And I will have to come and dutifully serve because that's what serving is. And if you're feeling tired, then the serving can be wearisome. If you're feeling tired, then serving is no longer a joy, it's a burden. And so I, I just want us to play with this, with this word and, and maybe swap out the services word but without the services swear jar for, uh, for the word rather than services, the word community. You know, we could have picked a number of words but this one kind of seems to do for the moment. Because actually the community word says something about us sharing our lives together, us going somewhere together, us being purposeful and having a place to travel to together, just like the vision phrase does, a church on the way. We are going somewhere, we are learning something together. Um, All all Saints has got quite a few um, church communities already. Um, we've got the kind of the big three that we talk about. We've got the sanctuary service, uh, and these are all different, by the way, if you haven't kind of checked them out. Uh, the sanctuary service, which on the whole, uh, we, we use some form of liturgy. Some of you have got no idea what that is. That's okay. Um, but it's where you start at the beginning and end at the end, and you do all the bits in the middle. Um, uh, you know, it's slightly more structured. Um, it's slightly quieter. Actually, do you know that service is full of people who have been at this place for years, serving and praying and doing the stuff. It's not to say there's not folks that are doing that in other services too, but it just happens that that service has got lots of those folks in it. Engage, which is uh, a bit noisier and there's kids and there's Brio and, you know, and, and, and chaos slightly sometimes. Uh, and then encounter, which, uh, you know, we, we want to have that overflow from that first Sunday of the month actually into the whole of the rest of the month where we've got our young people here every single week and that, that life in the Holy Spirit overflowing each week. So three services, but I, I wonder whether you're aware of the work that Joe and Clive and the team have been doing with Enrich over the last few years. You see, they, they started another community rather than service called Salt. I'm 
just breaking stuff. Um, uh, uh, and that was that was that was over two years ago. And they and they meet once a month. Um, uh, Joe, come and come and tell us. Uh, Joe's had all of um, about five minutes notice for this. Uh, come and just tell us about uh, this afternoon. It, it will go on. We're on mic. Uh, yes, brilliant. Real close. Okay. What do you want to know? Tell us about this afternoon. Okay, so this afternoon we had about 20 um, people from the community up at the hub. We used to run it in church, but we now run it at the Western Hub. Um, and we had um, some, like, a couple of songs of worship, a talk, and then um, got round in a circle together and prayed for each other. Some of them were praying for each other. Um, and then just some food afterwards, and that's the time when we kind of connect and um, hear about their summer and... Yeah, share. It was really beautiful. Tell us about Emma. Emma, she um, is a parent of one of the young people that we work with at Enrich. And um, long story short, she wants to get baptised, um, which is amazing. Her son got baptised a few years ago in this church, and she didn't come because um, she couldn't bear to be in a church. So, in the last, I think, three years now since. Salt has started because of that Malawi trip. She has now given her life to God and wants to get baptised. And she announced it to the whole of Salt this morning, afternoon. Uh, don't go just yet because you might want to comment on what I'm just about to say. Um, the thing is with, um, with Salt is it's, is it's always, as I've come in, felt like this thing that is over there. You know, it happens out there. And one of the conversations that Joe and I and Clive has been having is, is about how we can bring Enrich and the work that these guys are doing right into the heart of all saints. So actually, salt shouldn't be out here. What we want to do is we want to change it so that salt or whatever that future is for salt is right at the heart of what we're doing at All Saints and is part of one of those communities. Do you want to add to that, Joe? Yeah, just to say that um, they see All Saints as their church. They call it my church. They see this as home. And, um, and yeah, it, I want them to know that we see them as family yeah. in response. Fab. Thanks. Um, it's, it, it's, a subtle, it's a subtle change, but, you know, it's a really important one to, to tweak how we think things and how we talk about things so that actually those things where we're reaching out, that together we all say yes to them. And we go, that's brilliant because we love what God is doing. And my hope, and I know it's Joe's hope as well, is that actually we get to the point where salt is happening every single week, not just once a month. Um, so um, watch this space for that one. And, and also watch this space because on the 24th of November, we are cancelling all the services. And we're going to have one service at 11 o'clock with baptisms, including Emma and a number of other folks. Um, so... Uh, the 24th of November, um, it's going to be a blast. Uh, come to that. Um, but there's one more as well, because there's one that doesn't happen on a Sunday, and it's the Tuesday communion. And you know what? Uh, honestly, this service is great, but they are the best. I'm just saying, because they are... It is this wonderful collection of folks, um, and, and there are some younger people that come, but some of them are quite elderly. In fact, one of them uh, lives in a home just up the road, okay? And she manages somehow each week to escape from the home, 
uh, and, and gets here very, very slowly. She's called Jancis, and she is a legend. She can't remember how old she is, but she thinks she might be about 93. Um, and she used to be a kind of world, uh, like UK tennis or, or something player. Um, uh, but she, and, you know, if she arrives... And she's late, as she often is, because it takes her a bit of time to get here. It's like the service just stops. We're going to wait for Jancis to get up the aisle. And, and sometimes that takes a little while. And there's, you know, there's about 20, sometimes 23, 24 folks that come to that Tuesday communion. And they are wonderful. If you haven't met them, come and meet them. You know, some of them, uh, All Saints is kind of the home church. For others, they've got a different place where they worship on a Sunday. uh, But because they live around here, this is where they come on a Tuesday. They're a wonderful, lovely community. uh, And they've got some great stories to tell, which you need to hear. And they have coffee afterwards. And they look after each other. And they engage with one another. And I love it. It's a beautiful thing. So, um, five communities at All Saints, not services, but communities of people who are learning what it means to follow Jesus with a shared vision, with a shared purpose, but expressed in different ways. There there is a problem, though, which is that the, the word community is a tricky one in our culture. You see, it's one that kind of gets adopted for all sorts of things, especially by, uh, uh, erase that sentence, Uh, it gets used in all sorts of ways. Um, And there is a danger in using the word community that we say something that we don't mean to say. When actually, we're being really specific, and I'm being really specific, and I, and I hope that this little tweak in language will help us to be really clear about something. You see, the disciples in that early church gathered around the Word of God, around teaching, around reflecting on what God was doing. They broke bread together. They prayed together. They shared life together. They praised God together. And the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. The Lord did it. Um, over, over the summer, I've been on a sort of a bit of a reading extravaganza. And um, I, I started with, um, I, I never read history, but I, I for some reason picked up a history book. So I've been reading um, A History of English Christianity, 1920 to 1985. Since revised, but I haven't got the revised edition. Um, That then led me on to reading uh, G.K. Chesterton's The Everlasting Man. And I'm, I'm, I'm about halfway through both of them. And then I got distracted again and started to read uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Have any of you read any of Jordan Peterson or seen any of his videos? Yes. A few. Come on, hands higher. You could admit to it in public. It's all right. Um, if you haven't read or listened to any of Jordan Peterson's stuff, you need to go and do it. Uh, you will either love it or hate it. And you might, at the beginning of one of his videos, love it, and by the end of it, hate it. And it'll get you thinking. I'm not recommending whether he's right or wrong. You just need to engage with what he's saying. 
And the reason you need to engage is because he is saying something incredibly attractive and popular in our culture. And it goes right across the grain of what most of culture is saying. You know, he's saying all the difficult stuff about our culture and commenting on it. But he's actually saying it in an incredibly intellectually valid way. But one of the things that's interesting is he often uses scripture. And he takes the big narratives of Scripture and he uses them as foundational text to back up what he's saying. It's really interesting. And if you haven't engaged with that, it's worth a look because there are a whole bunch of people who are kind of going, oh, Jordan Peterson has just changed my life. I'm like, hang on. I know someone who can really do that. Um, As I was listening to, to what he was saying it, it was clear that he had got a grasp of a Christian ideology and he was endeavouring to try and follow it to a certain extent. You know, this idea of a Christian ideology, of Christian values, it's, it's really popular, especially in our schools. You know, if you go into a, a church school especially, uh, then you, you, you won't be able to get very far into the school before you've kind of seen, uh, this is our school's Christian values. We want to be kind, and we want to be patient, and we want to be loving, and we want to be creative, or whatever they've kind of picked off. And, the, and they are highlighting these things as Christian. Here's the thing. Jordan Peterson gives this illustration And he talks about the yin and the yang and the light and the darkness, the chaos and the order. And he takes this well-known symbol and he says, you know, in the light there's darkness, in the chaos there's order. And that this Chinese way of thinking would say that the way to live is to follow the line, to to negotiate this journey between order and chaos, between light and dark. And I'm kind of going, okay, interesting. I've not, I've not heard that talked about in that specific way before, okay. And then he says, and this is exactly what Jesus was saying when he asked us to follow the way. And for me, then the alarm bells went on and I was like, do you know what? To follow the way of Jesus is nothing to do with being kind or good or patient or creative or any of those other things that we might highlight as Christian values. It's nothing to do with any of those things. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life, he's not inviting us to sign up to an ideology or a set of values. He's inviting us to follow him. I am the way, says Jesus. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as we follow him, then we grow in kindness. Then we grow in love, in goodness, in creativity. You know, if we're to be followers of Jesus, then I hope that we'll be communities of Christ Jesus, of the risen Christ Jesus, who says, I am the way and who modelled it 
by dying on a cross. It's not a level playing field, by the way, just in case you were wondering, between Christianity and all of the other world's religions. It's not a level playing field. It's not a level playing field between Christianity and our contemporary culture. What I mean by it not being a level playing field is that Christianity is in in an entirely different category of thing. It's to follow a person, not an ideology. The person of Jesus Christ. And you know, sometimes we have this, this desire to make it easy for people to follow Jesus. And I want to make it as easy as possible. You know, I want the signposts to be big so that people know where to come in. I want them to be able to discover Jesus through the Alpha course or the Access course or through you having a conversation with them. But if we make it about a set of values, about goodness and kindness, because we think that it'll be easier for them, we have completely missed the trick. You know, Come to All Saints because, because we're a really nice community. Come to, come to All Saints because people are really friendly. No, no, come to All Saints because we are trying to follow Jesus Christ. The way, the truth and the life. And we think that if you follow him too, that your life will be entirely turned around. We shouldn't be making it easier for people to follow Jesus. We should be making it clear for people to follow Jesus. I don't know what you would prefer someone to meet. You know, if you're you're sharing faith with someone, you know, what would you... What would you prefer to meet? Would you prefer to, to meet someone who, who argued with you about the, the intrinsic truth of the Gospels, the, the historic relevancies, the evidence of the resurrection? And those things are important to argue through. That's why the Alpha Course is there. But you've got to be relatively trained up to do that. But the thing that anyone can do from the moment they've started to follow Jesus, is to bear witness to the life of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in them. And you know, the wonderful thing about that is that no one can argue with you. Because it's true. No one can argue with you about it. There's a danger in this culture, in this community thing. And William Booth puts it like this. William Booth founded the Salvation Army. The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. Heaven without hell. How prophetic that he should write this with where we are now. You know, when we try and do, just to pick out the middle one, when we try and do Christianity without Christ, it is nothing. 
Christianity without Christ is nothing. It's just a set of ideas and values. It might well as be the yin and the yang. And boy, do we need God in our politics right now. So what? So what for all these things? Well, just this is essentially a little tweak in our language, but really it's a, it's a tweak in our language about setting us up for something bigger, which is um, what I want to kind of unpack over the next few weeks. To talk about five communities with one vision as part of one church following the one Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's what, I, that's what I want us to be about. And if we set ourselves up like that, what I think we'll be doing is we'll be setting ourselves up for growth. And as I come into land for this evening, I just want to challenge you with this one thing. Are there any places in your, in your life, in your living, where you have settled for an ideology, for a set of thinking about God, a set of values of what it means to be a Christian, rather than the person of Jesus Christ? And I just want to invite you right now to, to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. You know, at the end of Psalm 139, there is that wonderful prayer, Search me, O God. Test my heart. See if there is any anxious way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. So I'd love to... I'd love just to lead us in prayer and for the, for the band to come up. And it might be there's, I'm sure there are a bunch of other things to, to pray into, but I'd just love to, to lead us in, in, in this one. And it might be that, that even as I've mentioned it, that you're aware of, of a place where you've, where you've settled for Christian values, for trying to be a little bit gooder. rather than actually the person of Jesus Christ. But whether you've got something specific or not, I'd love just to, for us just to pray and allow the Holy Spirit just to search us. So uh, will, you, will you stand with me? And I'd love to just make space for the Holy Spirit to, to do that or, or whatever, whatever it is that he wants to do. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you are... You are welcome here. You are welcome here. Lord, we thank you for that, the end of that wonderful psalm, 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and see if there is any anxious way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. Holy Spirit, come and search our hearts and our minds now for anything that you would choose to unearth.
anything that you would, in your graciousness, highlight. And especially those places where we've settled for Christian values rather than Jesus Christ. Jesus.